Um, so for that exposure, at this point, it's invaluable because I also direct theatre productions. And for me to have this uh, wealth of um, productions that I've seen, I think it goes into your subconscious and then you have a whole library of experiences knowing how the lights influence a show the sound how theater productions flow the tension creating um, suspense all those things today i'm talking to anna dalfo who is a singer songwriter and actress in south africa good morning anna it's so lovely to meet you here on zoom good morning petra i'm absolutely honored thank you and um, you are in South Africa and at the moment. Yes. And we are in the middle of load shedding. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah, every day we've got about six to eight hours of no power, but we've got lots of energy and, uh, yeah, chutzpah. So we, we go through that, yes. But now um, uh, I want to I find your... your um, uh, career very fascinating you've done so much and you've already now uh, you know you're a singer you're a, a songwriter you're also an actress and I see you also now started painting so you you're do everything <laughs> yes you know what happened I studied art when I was a young lady at the Northwest University um, mm -hmm. but the art department closed um, so I, halfway through my studies, I stopped and I went on with psychology. And then after my BA, I, I decided I wanted to be a musician. So the music world just wrapped me up and took me away. And then during the lockdown of the, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, I had nothing to do because I had lost all income, all concerts, all tours. I was on the brink of going to the car con car festival with three productions um and then i just took up my pencils and my art supplies and i went to a farm in the free state and i literally had nothing else to do i could only draw and it was so wonderful after 20 years to go back to my roots and to do something that i really love and I think um, then for the next six to eight months, that was my income. So I had art mm -hmm. exhibitions on Facebook and mm -hmm. I actually could, could pay some of my bills that way. So it was a wonderful emotionally because I kept busy because I think I would have gone a little bit nuts if I had absolutely nothing to do and waited for the theatres to open again. Um, and then, you know, just yeah, to have something that's creative to soothe my soul. Well, this is interesting that um, I've also spoken in, in uh, during the lockdown with many artists and um, many have done this, you know, started going to, started painting or do other forms of art that they could express themselves. So yeah. uh, did you feel that need also that, that you now could express yourself through the art? Yes, I was fortunate that a friend of mine sent me poetry. She had this wonderful idea to ask people all over the world, South African or anybody, to send her poetry of their experiences of being locked up. And then she chose 10 of those poems and she sent them to me and asked me to illustrate them. 
So I was so inspired and touched by these words from all over the world, people missing their grandchildren, people losing other people, people just missing their friends or walking on the beach. And um, I used that as my inspiration. Yeah, so it felt very much that I'm busy doing something that I know and feel familiar with. And at the end, it did turn out into a theater production because she recorded all the poems um, put to music and she added my artwork as a backdrop. So Amazing. in a sense, <laughs> yes, yeah. I was I was able to express, even though I didn't really express my feelings, it was yeah. my interpretation of other people's feelings and that made me feel connected, absolutely. Mm. So tell me about the music, your music career. Did you, as a child, have interest in music? Did you sing and, and play an instrument? I did have some piano lessons, but I really didn't think that I could sing. Mm -hmm. I didn't uh, have solos in the choir or uh, I stayed fit, you know, gold um, uh, winnings at the I stayed fit. So only very late in my life, I think I was about 20, 21, I started to write poetry and I thought to myself, well, if other people can put this to music, then I must maybe just try and I just put a melody with a poem that I wrote. And then I started um, going to workshops, songwriting workshops, and a whole world opened for me. So I was lucky to um, be taught by several South African songwriters, um, people like Yanni de Toy, Christa Stein, Kunida Villiers, people that have already had careers and albums out and won awards. Um, and then I started composing. And still, even then, I didn't think I, I could sing. I just sent my songs to lots of people and asked them to maybe consider my songs on their albums. And then one very famous South African singer, Larika Raag, phoned me and I was thinking it was my friends I was like what <laughs> and she said no it's really Lorica Ralph speaking and I just want to tell you that you can sing yourself so just don't give your songs away sing it darling mm -hmm. and that was the first time that I thought of seriously making a career at that point I was already I think 25 years old and I've been writing songs for three or four years and then I started to go and study music so I started over with my whole life I had a BA degree. I just put it away and went to music school. Amazing. Yeah. And then, um, so this was then being a student at a later stage in your life. But yes. how did you manage that then? And, and you didn't have any other experience in music. So you literally went into studying music from scratch. From scratch. And it was quite difficult for me because I didn't have the theoretical knowledge that some of yeah. the other students had. I also didn't tell anybody that I'm 25. They were all 18 and they thought I'm 18 as well. So I just kept that quiet. Um, <laughs> so um, for me, because I was at that stage already working in theater, I was working as a stage manager. I was singing in an a cappella group called Katlas. We were touring the world. We were going to China and Portugal and Belgium and wherever to perform. I was so enmeshed in the theater world that I just forced myself because I realized that this career is going to be taxing. I'm going to need a lot of skills. So I'm very happy that I went to study while I was working because I gave a lot of 
a lot more than I would have um, if I wasn't in the industry to see what the skills is that I need, the skills are that I need. So I've concentrated. And um, at the end of that three years jazz diploma, I was able to write music for bands and help with the arrangements and also put together cabarets because they taught us to do all of that at the at the music school. So I was extremely thankful that I had the chance because many people do not have a chance to go back to university or to study yeah. another degree. So I had to do two jobs to pay my studies. I was working at, as an usher at the State Theatre in the, the night time after uh, school hours. And then in the on the weekends, I worked as a waitress at a restaurant in Pretoria. So it was quite tough. But yes, um, when I look back, it was necessary for me to have those three years to know what I have to do for the rest of my life. So I'm very thankful that I got a second chance. But now, if you put yourself or if you can compare and, and because you wouldn't have known, but if you can just think about this, if you didn't have, you didn't have this uh, um, training before, do you think this has given you some more freedom to experiment or to, to be more daring than, um, than you, you know, than somebody that has been training from a very young age and, and the, the, the whole, you know, know all the rules and what you shouldn't do and, and so oh. on, so that you have more sort of the, the guts to, to try something new. Yeah, I've often thought about that. I've thought what would have happened to me if I had a lot of support and uh, I went to an art school and I was exposed to this life world much earlier. And yes, I think there are a lot of benefits because if you get music and training and songwriting in with Mother's Milk, then obviously you will go to a next level. But there's a, another um, thing that I thought that was good in my case is I wasn't polluted as a child yeah. um, with being forced to sing music that I do not resonate with. And at 16, honestly, I didn't know who I wanted to be as a performing artist. And uh, one of my friends um, started to sing when she was 14, 15, and she was pushed into many directions that she was at the end of her life very unhappy with because she could never reverse that first hit, that first song that becomes famous. You can't go back and change it. And that is what people will ask for for the rest of your life. Yeah. And if you are 15, 16, and they, the record producers choose the wrong song for you, then you're stuck with it. So in that sense, I think it was good for me to only become a performer when I was much older because um, I could really choose music that resonates with me and still the songs that I recorded on my first album still feel uh, feel good, feel honest, feel authentic. So I'm thankful actually that I wasn't thrown into the abyss of um, childhood fame for many yeah. reasons. Yeah. Now that's true, and and you know, um, I I also speak to many artists. Some trained from a very young age, and some, you know, later in their life. And and this is something that I've noticed also that they say that there's this time period where you sort of find yourself or find 
or, or, or build up the confidence sort of to do your own thing and mm -hmm. and create your own sort of personality in your art. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What I'm thankful for and that I was exposed to as a child was we went to theatres all the time. My father and mother was very fond of theatre. So they dragged us kids to all the concerts that they could. My brothers were more... Um, resistant than I am I was just thrilled to go to any concert and I was sitting at the end of my chair like this um so for that exposure at this point it's invaluable because I also direct theater productions and for me to have this uh wealth of um productions that I've seen I think it goes into your subconscious and then you have a whole library of experiences knowing how the lights influence a show, the sound, how theatre productions flow, the tension, creating um, suspense, all those things. Um, I am thankful that I also read a lot of poetry as a child. I loved, uh, especially my mother tongue, Afrikaans. Um, I read a lot of very complicated novels at a young age. So my love for the written uh, language or literature, um, I think also grounded me or gave me a good foundation from which to jump into theater. So I think that is important, you know. So even though I didn't prepare for a world in theater, I think at some level, the universe gave me also a lot of um, tools that I didn't even know I was preparing myself for. But it's true what you're saying about theater, and I think that's the, the value of it. Even if you don't go into the arts or artistic career, but that the theater really stimulates so many um, aspects of, of, mm. of us, you know, of our being. And, mm. and yeah. uh, so this is so important that, that children actually go to theater. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I was was performing at Herman van Fien's uh, 70th uh, birthday and 50th year in the industry in um, the Netherlands. And I went to see a children's production there and it was so advanced. It was very abstract and the music was interesting and the characters were like so um, uh, next level. And the children were sitting in their prams with their bottles, little toddlers, two, three, one, and they were absolutely in awe of this production. And I thought to myself, how often people do not value the um, exposing children to theater and how much you give to a child by not underestimating them and by exposing them to complex ideas from a young age. Um, and that's something that, that I don't necessarily experience in South Africa, um, but that I would like to, to move into more and more because I think also um, for me when I don't feel well and I feel like stuck in a rut and I go to theatre tomorrow night I'm going to see a production at the Baxter I know I'm going to walk out of there with new ideas with uh, having a little little holiday a two-hour holiday walking in another world so I, I'm very very pro theatre and uh, yeah, going to theatre for everybody. Well, you mentioning about uh, children that we don't 
underestimate them. And I was actually speaking to a, a composer who said that he visited a school with very young children mm. um, where they didn't have any music education and he did little, little uh, like uh, composing workshops for them. And mm. he was he was amazed at what they came up with, you know? Really? And did, really? Yeah. And, oh. and this just shows you that they... You know, mm. this is the time to to stimulate them and to um, uh, to see what uh, they are offering. Yeah, but, yeah. But you also um, an actress. So um, how did that come about? From the singing <laughs> to the acting. <laughs> Somehow, while you do your shows and you do your songs, in between you have to engage with the people and you have to give context to your music, um, and. Just by doing that, I started telling stories uh, of my life. Or, and at some point, uh, the agents that just started to phone me and say, listen, we've got a small little role here. Are you interested? Then I would tell them, listen, I'm not a trained actress, but if you think I can work and I'm somebody that you need in the show, absolutely, I'll come through. So it has never been something that I have pursued. I don't have an agent. I don't go to auditions unless I'm invited. Because I have a lot of respect for actors and I think that, you know, the four or five year training that they go through is so rigorous. But somehow these opportunities just come by and then I grab them and I learn so much. And you know what I have realized is that it really does influence me performing songs because a song is also a script. You also yeah. tell a story and you have to go into that emotion and that place. And a lot of the tips that directors have given me during acting projects have um, flown over into my music and performances. So I'm very, very thankful for every director that I have worked with. Each of them has given me a key to access a part of my um, being that I haven't used before. So yeah, it's a very, very great thing. But yeah, I, the movies and the stuff that I've done were mostly small parts. And um, uh, but I love it whenever that comes by. Like, Yay! It's a, <laughs> such a wonderful adventure. But uh, what is the industry like in South Africa at the moment? The the film the, and the the movie industry is very vibrant. Mm -hmm. I think the reasons are multiple. Financially, it's very affordable to shoot and accommodate and. Um, transport people in South Africa also venue hire they are the most spectacular scenes in South Africa and all kind of landscapes if you want a desert if you want a, a, the, a wood if you want a, a karua if you want the sea you can find that look and feel in this country um, so I think after COVID, many of the friends I have that works in wardrobe or that are directors and so they say that it has picked up a lot. Um, really? So, yeah, the theatre industry is a little bit more wobbly. So people are nervous um, because our theatres only opened like three months ago, full capacity. So a lot of the theatres, I think, have been very careful to um, start with big projects and projects and large musicals. So, but for for the better part, they are all doing their thing and they are going ahead. Most of the festivals only opened the past few months again, full steam because it just wasn't viable. 
So in the next month, there are four big national festivals running um, in South Africa. So I'm all excited to see the colleagues and to um, take my productions there. Well, and some um, uh, South African singer that I spoke to um, also said that the festivals have now been almost replacing the theatres. You know, mm. a lot of lot is happening in, in these festivals. Is that do you also find that? Yeah, that has been the case for I think like 15, 20 years. Mm. That uh, a big part of my yearly income and planning revolves around the main festivals. So you do your normal tours and your venues, but for those, uh, you know, four or five week segments, you just block your diary out like the year before already, because you know, as an artist, you will probably be involved in some kind of way mm -hmm. at the festivals. And the, the audiences also flock there because they know they can, within a week, see all the top theater productions the country mm -hmm. has to offer. Mm -hmm. So you get a huge um, segment of the journalists and the people that review the art curators and they all go there and they evaluate your production, your art, your and you the chances that you get a good write-up or a write-up is very good. And then um, fortunately, if you get a write-up, that sets you up for the rest of the year tour. And now... Um your the genre that you sing. I um I've mm. read that you love jazz. That you are um that's is, is that your favorite genre to sing? So I uh, I have a combination of albums. The four of my albums are mostly original music, so it's songs that I've written, and I would say that they are most uh, mostly singer songwriter folky kind of songs. Then I do have two jazz albums out that are crooning jazz swing albums. So it's more the traditional fly me to the moon kind of um, rat back songs. And in my productions, I try and include both, um, you know, but in a way that it, you know, is a, um, a good feel, um, you know, that it runs consecutively so that it feels natural. But yeah. I really love jazz. So it's difficult for me to do a whole show and not have one jazz tune in it. Really? And this mm -hmm. time also, when I do a whole jazz so a production, I do want one of my original songs in the show because that's a big part of who I am. Um, but yeah, I perform mostly at um, smaller if venues. Every now and then I would, would get a booking for a, like a 2,000 or 3,000 seater stadium. I will go and sing one or three songs. Yeah, but my real passion and love is for smaller, intimate audiences um, with a three-piece band, like just piano and saxophone and guitar or, um, you know, a, a cozy, a cozy concert. Yeah. But you have a wonderful voice. I mean, you're, and, and you have sort of it, the jazz music that I've listened to that you sing, you have that voice. It's uh, sort of, it feels as if it, it comes natural from you. Yes, yes. I, a world opened to me when I studied jazz because before that, I didn't know jazz. I was raised in Portschiff Struem, that is a very conservative community. And 
I listened to Vicky Leandros, Roger Whittaker, and, you know, the normal pop music on radio. So when I went to the jazz school for the first three months, I was like, what is going on here? This is so busy and hectic. And, and then when I started to understand the uh, building stones of jazz and the chord mm -hmm. structures and stuff, I fell in love like head over yeah, so now also on my playlist, if I listen to Spotify and at my house I listen to music, it's often um, mellow uh, vocal jazz, you know, like mm -hmm. Stacey Kent and Nora Jones and, and Diana Kroll, um, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Ada James, uh, singers like that are the ones that I choose. That's amazing that you found that, you know, that you... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Could have missed it my whole life. Could have yeah. never found it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what is the music industry in South Africa like for an uh, Afrikaans singer like yourself, singer-songwriter? So it is very much a lonely career from my perspective. Um, I have spoken to some other singer-songwriters in other parts of the world um, I was privileged enough to meet uh, a few like Marta Gomez um, and uh, Myra Maud uh, from France, singers that also do independent albums. And they also have the same struggles, ironically, mm -hmm. because to find a good manager, to find a, a record company that respects your style and the kind of music that you choose, to find people that believe in your music, and that will work through nights to um, make stuff happen is a scarcity. So what happens at the end of the day is you start doing it yourself because you don't find these people easily. And then at the end of the day, you are a one-man band. So I design my own posters. I do my own bookings. I book my flights. I do my marketing interviews. Um, I plan the whole show, I do my own um, links, I go and plot my lights before the concert, often I do my own sound, um, because I perform at a place where there's not sound equipment, I will take my own stuff in and rig the place out, so that is at the end of the day an all-consuming career, and um, sometimes I wonder how it would be, because I know in other countries, you know, people have a whole team, they have lawyers and managers and road managers and guitar techies that tune their guitars. We don't have that. I remember when um, one or two times when I went overseas and performed there, I would carry my own mic stand upstage and they would like, tell me, what are you doing? I'm so, <laughs> I'm so used to doing this. They say, no, it's my job. I am the technician. Leave the mic stand alone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, we're not very spoiled. I think independent yeah. artists in this country are not very spoiled. We have mm. to do a lot of stuff on our own. But I'm thankful because I learned all these skills and I have my own, own catalogue. I own every song that I've ever written is my property. It's not owned by a record company. And there's not a lot of singers that can say that. Mm. But now about the language then as well. So you are confined to South African audiences or are is there an interest outside for Afrikaans music? I do write a lot of English songs. 
So mm-hmm. most of my albums are 50-50, English Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of the jazz, I sing for many multicultural audiences and then I just adapt my program. So then I will do only one or two Afrikaans songs. And I, I have mm-hmm. and the majority of the songs be English. But I've often, you know, Isi Koza, a person will come to me after a concert that I maybe do for a corporate company like Momentum, and they would say, "We, I liked your program, but the the Afrikaans song, I had no idea what you were singing, but that was so nice. Really? That's the first Afrikaans song that I've ever listened to or liked. Mm -hmm. So that has happened to me. That's why I don't completely exclude it, because I love to listen to Portuguese music and to Latin American music. I don't understand what it says, but I can get the vibe. Yeah, so also when I um, perform for, uh, I go overseas, I've, I have found, especially like in the Netherlands, I can sing a whole show of only Afrikaans music and the people are with me. And they love listening to a different language. And I try and just give context before the time and say, the song is about this and this is the emotion and that's the backstory. And then they're all cool with it. Well, I spoke to um, Conroy Cupido. Um, he's a professor there at Porch of Struem as yeah. a singing professor. And he did actually this, uh, I don't know if it's research, not research, but, it, but it's a um, uh, project that he did where he asked people to um, do a painting or a drawing on mm-hmm. uh, music that they hear, but that they don't understand. So it's basically how the music is sung that mm-hmm. uh, he wanted to, to uh, this artist then to to sort of um, create something from what they hear, even though mm. they don't understand. And yeah. actually, all the paintings and the, the drawings were spot on. It was like, yeah, oh. it was even though they couldn't understand the words. Yeah, so this is true what you're saying people maybe not understand afrikaans but they understand what you are singing you know they, they no. understand the emotion behind what you are singing yeah no, because the, it's important especially when you work with poetry that the music and the notes that you play and the pauses that that enhances the meaning of the words so i i understand what you're saying it, it makes sense that they would get but i it is it's surprising that yeah. means that the music really, really um, uh, defines or uh, uh, illustrates the, the lyrics well. Yeah. Mm. yeah so um, next time when you sing Afrikaans, you know, people will get you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, you talked about now the business, you're doing everything, you, you have to organize everything. Is that something you also learned? on the job like you 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 had to learn to do the marketing and and organizing your own concerts and so on or did you have a bit of a business background no business background um i'm still flabbergasted most of the time with the (laughs) financial and the contractual um part of my career but i just um went ahead every time i do a new project i just figure it out um Mm. And fortunately, I'm happy to learn new skills, you know. So everything that I, like at some point, I got irritated by going to a graphic designer every week and ask them, asking them to uh, 
design a poster and a flyer and a Facebook ad for me because if I have many concerts for each one I have to pay so much money to just get a little marketing sample or poster and then one day I just googled best and easiest way to design posters and then (laughs) this app appeared and then I just I was so frustrated but I just like I'm gonna learn it now because I cannot for the rest of my life every month pay two or three thousand rand yeah. For this, I need to do this on my own. So, yes, uh, I don't think it's necessarily my gift, but I figure it out just because I have to. But at the end of the day, when you have a, a, a curatorship of all the elements of your career, then when you sit back and you look, look at everything, I think it does help that there is congruence between yeah. all the elements. But yeah, it, it would be nice if one day I can find somebody that that um, can assist me because I think your spread will be so much wider. Mm-hmm. Your reach, it's difficult to run large pro- projects and large tours if you do it all by yourself. So my career has always just been very um, contained. But I think it's also a good thing to to find this continuity in this is what I sing. This is how I advertise myself. This is how I connect also with my audience, you know? So yeah. I think maybe now for you, that's the best, that's a good way of, of really understanding what it is that you want to show in, yeah. and in every way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in the whole world, the because of the digital era and the streaming platforms, the record companies have been pushed to the side because they are no records anymore. They are no CDs. So they definitely still have a role, but it's much easier for an independent artist that have good material to break through um, and then, you know, to sign up with big record companies afterwards. Mm-hmm. So um, I think 20 years ago, I missed a record company more than I miss them now. Because I can just make an album the next morning, I load it onto Spotify, and there you go, Bob Joanka. Mm. I don't have to ask anybody's permission or get a distributor or go and print the CDs um, anyway. So, yeah, I think fortunately, um, the fact that I did it all these years um, makes me more comfortable now with the fact that I can do it. I think many of the other artists who had record companies all these years might find it uncomfortable now, you know, to go do that all by themselves. But people do. I mean, all the young artists that I work with that are in their 20s and 30s, they just know exactly what to do. They just do Mm -hmm. it. That's great. That gives you a lot of control. Yeah. 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 But now, Anna, um, tell me, what are your wishes still for the future? So I have um, been directing more and more concerts so um next week i'm flying to Gauteng, where i will be working on a, a production it's the Anki Kroch um, poetry uh, collection that is being um worked as a theater production with also art so we have um chosen about seven artists to come and perform and sing and uh, read the poetry and then we have also invited many visual artists to come and 
bring the art that I have um, drawn or painted of poems that inspired them in this. This is actually the <laughs> mixed side funny lifter. Well, yeah, I don't think oh, you I can can't. see. So it's a lovely job. So I love directing. And I, my, my dream is that in future, I will get more and more opportunities to put productions together. Um, I also do that for corporate companies, um, you know, to ask what their vision is and then just make their dreams come true. They must just walk into the venue and it must just happen. Yeah, so that I enjoy. And then, yeah, I have not written many songs recently, mm -hmm. the past five years. Um, so I hope that at some point that um, desire to go and sit in front of the piano and to write music again will resurface. Um, and I, I feel something brewing. So I, I wish that that part of my life will be reignited again so that I can write at least a few more songs in my lifetime. Well, but yeah, you to perform and sing and tour, that's, that's the dream. You write beautiful songs, really. I've I've Thank listened you. to a few of your songs and really beautiful, beautiful songs. So I hope Thank that you. resurfaces again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but um, Anna, now just one last question. Can you do a shout out for your coffee, where you drink your coffee or where you go, your favorite restaurant in your area? Do you have a... Local? <laughs> yes, I have. So I live in Malpulstrand. It's yeah. a small little town on the West Coast, um, not far from Cape Town. And there's a restaurant on the beach called Malpul's Kitchen. Oh, yeah. And they, like, they hug me when they see me. Really? <laughs> I'm not a big uh, cook, so they see me often. Mm. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm giving them a shout out. Uh, hello. Malpo's Kitchen. I love your sushi. I love your carrot cake and um, your great, great coffee. Always a joy to be there. What a what a great um, uh, repertoire they have: sushi yes. and carrot cake. <laughs> yes. no, they have bloody everything. <laughs> okay. Well, it's so wonderful. No, well, I'll definitely put their link in the in the description, and you can mention to them that you when you see them again that you gave the shout out. <laughs> okay. Okay. They'll be thrilled. Thanks. Yeah. Anna, it was so lovely to talk to you and um, thank you so much for your time and all the best with all your um, efforts and things that you're doing and I'm sure by just talking to you what you've accomplished, I'm sure all your dreams and your wishes will come true. Uh, thank you so much for the invite, it was lots of fun to talk to you and I'll come say hello when I come visit. At some come, point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Austria is my fa all time favorite country ever. Really? So come and visit and and I will take you to my um, coffee play. We we can go and have a, a coffee and a, a push strudel. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wonderful. <laughs> Great. Okay. 